The Start On Demand. On demand. The province says mandatory masks could be coming to Manitoba later this year. What's your take? Red River College has cut some programming in the wake of COVID-19. Sunscreen myths and realities. How much SPF do we really need? Milt Stiegel and Kevin Glenn beak at each other on Twitter over the catch. And some tips on how to defeat mosquitoes. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling, who's back next week from vacation, and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, July 10th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back on Monday, basically trading spots with Greg next week because he's off this week and next week I'm off. And I'm excited, Loren, because I have not one, not two, not three, but six consecutive rounds of golf scheduled starting today. <laughs> it's funny that you say that. I was just out with a friend last night for supper and she said, does Brett golf every day? And I was like... <laughs> I was like, that's a good question. I said, it feels like it, but I, but he's, if it's not every day, he's darn close when he's on vacay. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I try to get out at least twice a week, if not three times a week, uh, on the regular. But, uh, yeah, this, today, this afternoon, tomorrow morning, Sunday morning at Kingswood, Monday, sales, uh, one of our sales team, uh, Barry, might be taking me out to Breezy Bend. I've never been out there, so that's exciting. Oh, uh, nice. Tuesday, rescheduled. I did, never did make it to Minnewasta and Morden. Uh, we didn't want to take a chance because there was rain in the forecast, but Tuesday's forecast looks good, so we're rescheduled for Minnewasta and Morden. Can't wait for that. And then on Wednesday, I'm heading out to almost the edge of Highway 59. There's a course called Grand Pines in uh, the Traverse Bay area that's just past Grand Beach. So it's going to be a very good week for me, provided the forecast holds. So here's hoping. Yeah, Jeff Braun yesterday during the couch potatoes made a joke. He's like, ah, it's going to rain all week and you're not going to be able to golf. So you can stay home and watch uh, Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's not a bad vacation either because when it is rainy or when it is colder out, it's also an excuse to sort of just relax. Yeah. You know, like it's nice to get out there, but then it's nice to also just have that time and sit on your couch and do your thing and not be stressed looking outside thinking, oh, it's so nice. I should really be outside right now. So either way, you're in for a good one. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I like taking a week off in December uh, because December is such a busy month. So it's nice to be able to just take, have that time to just, you know, if you want to go for a walk, you can go for a walk. If you want to sit on your couch guilt-free, you can do that too. So I'm excited for that. And then Loren's going to be taking a couple of weeks after that. So as we play the musical chairs, and uh, by the time we, the three of us are back together, Loren, it uh, could be a mandatory mask situation in Manitoba. Yeah. And this, you know, Dr. Rusin is looking further down the road when he has this discussion. So it's not like it's coming soon and it might not come at all. But he did talk yesterday and we're going to play a bit more of this audio at 637 and have the chat with our listeners about how they feel about the possibility of masks or mandatory masks because it the, the idea was yes our case count is low but as we head into the fall as we get back to normal as we have more people going into public places and we have the flu season potentially mingling with a covid season would masks be part of the equation and the answer is possibly so i'd like to know what people think about that because so many other cities are doing this we know it's a huge issue in the states and then of course toronto uh, mandated masks 
Montreal is looking to mandate masks by the end of this month. There's a ton of different communities in both of those provinces that are doing it. Yes, their case counts are higher, but masks are increasingly part of the conversation. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, I don't I don't know if I think it's good as a preventative measure or a reactive measure or if I just I'm going to wait and see what our numbers look like before I make the call on that one, Brett. Yeah, with the numbers so low, it, we're in a weird spot, right? I mean, because you look south of the border and cases are surging. And here in Manitoba, we're you know nine days in a row now with no new cases. So when you hear talk of mandatory masks, you kind of scratch your head and go, why? But... Um, like you said, I guess just wait and see. If it becomes a mandatory mask situation, I'll wear one. I mean, I know you can get, I think I saw uh, the bombers, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have their own branded uh, face mask. So uh, maybe you'll get a Blue Bombers mask. I don't know. But uh, let us know what you think at 204-780-6868 on the possibility of mandatory masks in indoor public places later on this year. Also going to be talking this morning about Cuts at the post-secondary level, yet, uh, I mean, there's cuts everywhere because of COVID-19, and uh, it looks like it's now going to hit some elements of post-secondary schooling. Yeah, we obtained this letter that was sent out by Red River College officials yesterday to students and staff, and it highlights suspension of six programs, and then also they're going to reduce the capacity in different classes like uh, Intro to Trades and Welding. And so the letter details the fact that, you know, we're in a, a COVID crisis and that they have to manage their finances as well as best they could. So we'll hear more from the college at 835, Brett. But I also have the question for students out there and parents of kids who might be going off to college or who are in college or university at the U of M or U of W, just about how they're feeling about this fall. We started off this week talking about homeschooling for elementary and high school kids. Well, come this fall, a lot of students are going to be paying to do all their university work online and they may not have the programs they thought they would. They may not have the class experience they thought they would, but it looks like they'll be paying exactly as they thought they would in terms of the tuition rates staying the same. And so I'd, I'd like to know how everybody feels about that because you're paying for something, a, an experience that you are no longer going to be getting. And I think that that's going to be part of the conversation going forward about what we're paying for and what service we get in return. Another conversation we're going to have this morning right after Global News at 7 o'clock. And th- th- this is the result <laughs> of, uh, this is what, what I find so fascinating and awesome about my friend Loren McNabb here, because uh, it's this is how the this is the brain of a of a journalist. Like I'm not a journalist. I've never considered myself a journalist. I'm a curious guy, but I'm no journalist. And with Loren McNabb, we have one of the finest journalists in Manitoba, and she's always asking questions. Uh, so uh, just a throwaway comment yesterday morning about me saying I got a sunburn while I was in my car because I was driving around for like two hours running various errands. I can't remember exactly what I was doing. I think it was a day where I was looking for an apartment. And uh, she said, really? Like you can get a sunburn in your car? So we're going to talk to somebody about sunburns and SPF, sunscreen myths and realities, Loren. Yeah, and this it sounds like something that's so basic, and especially because I'm a redhead who burns like by looking at the sun. Red lobster? Yeah, like in the winter, I could just be thinking about warm temperatures, and suddenly I have a sunburn. So I'm super fair, super freckly. You'd think I'd know like all the best ways to save myself, but I don't. And there are many times, in addition to my question about getting sunburned in a car, 
that we'll pose to our guest at 707. I, I, every time I go to put SPF on, I think, what is, like, I know that higher the number, the better, but how long does it last for? When am I supposed to be applying? Are there good sunscreens and bad sunscreens? Should I be mixing the ones with mosquito repellent and, and all the rest, Brett? So I feel like I should be better at this. I feel like I should be the champion of sunscreen, like the poster <laughs> child. And every year I'm like, oh, 15 or 30, 60s here. Wonder which one I should put on. Yeah. So we'll get some answers to your questions. Here's a text to 204-780-6868. Loren, this listener says, the drink cup holders from Tim's smolder them. The bugs hate them. 100% effective. Each holder smolders for 20 minutes. The mosquitoes hate them more than coils. Like the sleeve? I guess the, uh, oh, I wonder if it's the sleeve or the tray. We'll have to seek some confirmation on that. Yeah, twenty minutes is a long time. I think it might has to might have to be the tray. But yes, if he lets us know, I'm curious. You you've already got it there. Might as well uh, make it useful. Yeah. So give us a tip at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. We'll have that conversation in our next segment. In a moment, we're going to talk more about mandatory masks. But uh, we want to just have a look at our question of the day results from yesterday from cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since nineteen ninety two. Visit creditaid.ca. Call two zero four nine eight seven sixty eight ninety. Now the question from yesterday afternoon, Loren, from Richard and Julie. The city has lost a $30 million court battle over impact fees. Do you think this will negatively affect Mayor Bowman's legacy long-term? What were the results at cjob.com? I'm just calling them up. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, they're, they should be. Um, they're in the script. Okay. Do you have I, that there? I, you know what? This, I didn't have the weather, so I don't know why <laughs> I would have this script handy. But yes, give me a second. Okay. We had asked the question in the morning about whether or not Winnipeg should launch the lawsuit. Um, or sorry, challenge this uh ruling and whether or not they should appeal the decision that is ordering them to pay. And so that was our question yesterday morning. And the city still hasn't said what it plans to do uh, in terms of challenging that decision. The question on whether or not this would negatively affect Mayor Bowman's legacy long term. Well, here's what CJOB.com results were. Yes, this is such a mess. That was 65% of the vote. 35% thought, nope, this is just a footnote. And I, uh, my apologies to Loren there. I, I, I forgot. I thought I emailed you these things. So just live radio sometimes. You just no. got to fall on the sword. I thought I sent them to her. I didn't. That's on me. So I'm sorry about that. I just made uh, I made a little boo-boo there. So forgive me, uh, Loren, and forgive no, me, Loren. No, it's right listening. in front of me here, and I know how to read. So <laughs> I failed. Still, Don't worry about it. Still, yep. I... <laughs> I, I got to fall on the sword for that. I, that's on me. Uh, yesterday morning's question, the one that we asked, the city of Winnipeg has lost a court battle over impact fees charged to home builders and homeowners should the city appeal the decision. And this is interesting, Loren, because at CJOB.com and Twitter, we often have widely varying results, but it was the exact same result. Yes, 32%. No, 68%. Wow. That is, that is interesting because I think that... Um the fact that 68% don't want to appeal says a lot about what they think about this fee to begin with. Again, the city is still deciding. As it stands right now, the mayor has decided and the city has said they won't be collecting fees until it makes a decision, any future fees at least, until it figures out what it's going to do next. But this will be, be something that's debated 
for months, I'm going to guess months to come, not just the appeal or whether or not to appeal, but what do we do next with growth fees? All right. So you can let us know at 204-780-6868 what you think about that. Now, we ask the question, how would you feel if the province mandated the use of masks in public spaces? Other Canadian cities like Toronto and Montreal are doing it, but they're still dealing with dozens of new COVID cases per day. And of course, we know that's not the picture here in Manitoba. We've been telling you how yesterday actually marked the ninth straight day with no new cases. 314 people have recovered, and we actually just have four active cases. So not only did we have that nine-day streak, today would be 10 if there's no new cases. Our number of active cases is the lowest it's been since March 13th. But just because our cases are low... As Global's Brittany Greenslade explains, the province's top doctor is warning face masks could be mandatory at indoor public spaces by fall. From airports to grocery stores, wearing a face mask has become a common routine. And for the most part in Manitoba, it's remained voluntary. But that could change. Mask wearing certainly in uh, uh, in Manitoba is going to become a, um, you know, probably a bigger uh, part of our response going forward. While Manitoba's top doctor has shied away from mandating masks in public so far, Dr. Brent Rusin says it's a move that may happen in the fall when flu season hits. If we see um, a flu A activity in, in November and, and not COVID, uh, we don't know that uh, COVID won't be here in, in December or January. So we, we're going to need to treat this uh, upcoming respiratory season as a, as a COVID season um, until proven otherwise. Some cities in Ontario and Quebec already require face coverings in public indoor spaces, and it's become a requirement for many transit riders across the country. One doctor and organizer of Masks for Canada says now is the time to get people to adapt. As things are reopening across different jurisdictions, now is the time when numbers are low to actually insist and get masking to be a normalized and socialized thing. Remember, we got to low cases through lockdowns. We don't want to get back to lockdown after lockdown. Dr. Rusin agreed that Manitobans need to learn to live with the virus and says to avoid another lockdown during flu season, a mask may be the answer. Manitobans are going to um, get used to hearing more and more about masks. It's probably going to become more and more of an of a approach we have here as we get closer, say, to respiratory virus season. And continue to stay home when they're sick. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. We're going to make this, I think, the question of the day this morning. What's your take on this? And, of course, you can text us at 204-780-6868. As I mentioned earlier, I'm somewhat conflicted on it because when you look at our numbers, you kind of wonder, is this really necessary? But as a preventative measure, it it could be, I mean, I certainly see the, the value in that. Well, I think the messaging there might be more along the lines of if we start earlier, say our cases are still low come the fall, Brett, but if we start with the idea that we should be doing this, then should we see that surge or that second wave as we hit flu season, then we're already we're already in the mode, we're already in the practice of wearing the mask. So I suppose that's part of the message, but it is going to be really hard for people to look at that and, and take that seriously as it stands right now. And I don't know about what your experience is, but when I go into a store now, very few people are, are following those arrows anymore. I think people are still standing on those spots where you're supposed to say socially distance in a line, but people are already moving past the, the steps we took to mitigate COVID spread in the first place. And so I feel like the earlier you bring in a mask to the equation, the better we might be for it in the long run. But I too would look at those numbers and think, what? Really? Look, we, we don't have any. We haven't had any cases for days. Why are we doing this? So. 
Huh, I can see why people would be conflicted. We a, a truck driver just texted us this morning and says he has no problems. He, of course, has been wearing a mask for a past month because he goes through the states. And so, you know, there are a lot of people that are already doing this. While our most recent text this morning answer was no, no to masks. I will not wear one. And Evelyn saying, why would any, everyone have to wear masks when their efficacy is questionable? If a person is at risk, immunocompromised, etc., cetera, uh, they should be the ones to wear the mask. McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is back next week, and then I'll be on vacation for a week, and then Loren's gone for a couple of weeks. Musical Chairs continues, and at some point, Loren, we're going to be outside, and we're going to have to fight back against the mosquitoes. Yeah. What's the situation in your backyard? (laughs) Um... Yeah, not bad. I, I, depends on where I go in town in terms of, you know, the closer I find, if you're like near the trees or in bush, you, you might experience more mosquitoes. They're not too bad in the, in the backyard, but I already love a listener tip, which is why I jumped in there, Brad. Apologies. Who, who he wrote in to say, my wife attracts all the mosquitoes, so I just stand next to her. <laughs> I hate that sound. That is funny. (laughs) I just go stand there so the mosquitoes don't attack me. Uh, Although if 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 the the mosquitoes like the wife, wouldn't wouldn't you want to stay away from her? Well, I guess the theory would be that they all go to her, so you'd be comfortable. Oh, okay, that's right. So if you're she'd be like like a force field, like a shield. Okay, uh, so if you've got any tips, 204-780-6868, and we're joined by Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore, Jeff Fortier, and why don't we start uh, with Kelly Moore, uh, because you've lived in Manitoba, but you've also lived in BC. What's the mosquito situation where you lived in BC? Yeah, uh, It can get pretty bad. I remember I used to umpire slow pitch. And uh, it wasn't too bad on the clay infield, but boy, for those outfielders who were standing out in the grass, it was absolutely brutal. And I also remember coaching uh, the Smitty's Junior Girls team uh, a few years ago. <laughs> the outfielders would just be smacking their legs. And, and I mean, and these were grown women. These were 19 to 23-year-old women, so these weren't little kids. And uh, <laughs> they'd be trying everything to uh, protect themselves from them. But, you know, I've been really lucky. I... I I get bit by them, but I don't itch afterwards. But you talk about the wife being a mosquito magnet. Holy crows. My wife, she just gets the crap kicked out of her. So she's always looking for these remedies and these tips on social media. The latest one that we were given, she says, let's pick up a bottle of Listerine. I hear if you if you mix some Listerine and I can't remember what else it was with, and you spray your chair with it, it'll keep the mosquitoes away. Really? I'm sorry to say it. Well, at least for us. It did not work. <laughs> <laughs> and we got some clarification on the uh, the drink cup holders from Tim's. We were, we were thinking it's the tray, right? And this listener says, yeah, it's the tray. So what you do is you take the, the drink cup tray from Tim's, or I guess any uh, restaurant like that hands out those trays, and you uh, smolder them. The bugs hate them, 100% effective. Each holder smolders for 20 minutes. The mosquitoes hate them more than coils. You light the cup holder, and then you blow it out, and you just let it smolder. You set the holder in a metal pan and let it smoke close by. This person spends all summer outside. I won't say what this person is doing. Uh, They sent a rather (laughs) colorful picture of that, but uh, I'm not sure that it's entirely legal, so we'll just leave it at that. Um... What about you, Jeff Braun? Uh, let me ask you this, Jeff, because this is what I used to found, find when I smoked. 
When I was was when I was on the golf course and I was smoking a cigarette, uh, I found the mosquitoes would leave me alone. Did you ever notice that? Uh, I think I did, yeah, because I know in general they don't like smoke, and as well with the smoldering Tim Hortons cup holders, just a campfire in general. If uh, if I'm out and it's a, there's a lot of mosquitoes and there's a campfire going, I just plop my chair right in the spot where the smoke is blowing to and let the smoke walk, because I'd much rather have the smoke in my face than a mosquito on me anywhere. The worst bite I ever had was a few years ago, and we were out on a fishing trip with my parents, and the fishing guide had you know, pulled us over for the shore lunch, and I ran into the woods to because nature called, <laughs> and I got a bite in the most unfortunate spot imaginable. Oh, God. <laughs> and while that was torturous enough... There's the second wave of torture later because it's itchy, but you can't walk around scratching yourself there because people think you're insane. I mean, you can. But... Oh, man, that is great. And actually, you know what? I, I have a story on that, too, when I was in Red Lake Falls in Minnesota once. Uh, so we stopped at what they call the island in the midway point of the trip. And it's just like it's a, maybe a 10 foot, 10 feet from the island to the, the riverbank. And uh, nature called for me so i had to go and scurry into the bush and the mosquitoes were particularly bad that year well you can imagine what they're like in the middle of a forest so while i was so i won't get into the details but i was swatting (laughs) at my back with one hand and when i came out i honestly looked like i had been attacked by an axe murderer because i was like my friend said i was covered in blood so that was unpleasant i wish i would have had a smoldering drink cup tray holder at that point also loren i think i heard um i've heard of this product before have you ever heard of something called a thermocell no i'm looking at their website right now a thermocell.com oh, i saw an advertisement for that yeah it was like last week is the first time i saw those it. work those work pretty good i've had friends that have used those yeah what is it yeah it's like this battery uh, it's just like a little electronic device that I don't even know what it is, but it's got something in it that uh, it, it, it's sort of like a vape thing, except that it doesn't produce like vapor, but it's doing the same thing inside, I think, where electri- electricity is burning off something that just uh, the bugs hate. Yeah, it's a, I'm looking at it right now. It's a cylinder. It says it has up to 15 uh, feet of protection. There's no spray. It's scent-free. Uh, I mean, it requires some sort of a refill here, but... Uh, I'm curious to know if anybody's used, if you have used a thermocell, let us know at 204-780-6868. You turn it on, there's a fuel cartridge that provides heat. Heat activated repellent mat creates a zone of protection. So, Hmm. you know what I'm looking for? Uh, I'm looking for just a a regular fly swatter because last Friday I had three mosquitoes that snuck into my apartment and they're sitting on the ceiling. I swear they're waiting for me to go to bed so they can fly around and annoy the <laughs> hell out of me. But I, I just want a regular fly swatter because there, there's nothing better than that feeling of when you give them a good smack, you know? Yeah. You let out your aggression. <laughs> I, I have well, one of those electric ones, but you don't get that good. Go ahead, oh, Lorraine. you know what? I like the electric ones. I was just going to say that my in-laws have those when we go camping. And they just make that satisfying zzz. Like you just know you got them when you swat around with that, and it's it can be quite the thing at night when you're just k- killing dozens of them at a time. I think those electric swatters are great for uh, killing wasps when you trap them on the table and then you just start zapping them. Go yeah. die, wasp, die! McGarry and McNabb. 
Mackling is back next week on the subject of tips to defeat mosquitoes. We mentioned thermocells, and this listener says thermocells are wonderful. We have two lanterns and two that stick into posts in the ground, much like the tiki lanterns, and they keep away all bugs within a 15-foot radius of each one. Uh, They're saying... Thermocells are amazing. Thermocells are a game changer. I wish I could attach one to my hip. Mm-hmm. So I think I might have to get one of these things, Loren. I had written back to all of our listeners to say I had never even heard of this until today. I've heard of different machines that might spray something out or, you know, might emit some sort of like a light that attracts the bug- bugs. But this is this is new to me. Apparently, they're really hard to get, though. We're, we're not the only ones looking for ways to fight the mosquitoes and as many people that are writing in to talk about the thermocell we've got just as many writing in to say yeah they went looking for one and all the stores they went to the shelves were bare yeah it's probably one of those things that you got to get before you're in it right and i didn't even know it existed until recently so uh keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868 but right now we want to talk about another aspect of summer and that has to do with sunburns because yesterday i mentioned loren that last year i got a sunburn while I was just driving, I was driving around running errands or something for a couple of hours and my left arm, because I tend to rest my left hand on the steering wheel, my left arm and half of my face got cooked. And I question that, not that I think you're lying. I just think it's fascinating in terms of how you can get a sunburn, if it can happen through a window or if it's more when the window's down. And and not only that, I had said earlier in this hour that, you know, sunscreen should, is a critical part of everybody's lives. I know so many people who now just wear it daily, winter and summer and fall. And that's had me asking questions about the validity of different SPF levels, different kinds of sunscreen. So we thought, you know what, this is important. It's been hot for a couple of weeks. We all want to protect our skin. So we're pleased to welcome on Elizabeth Holmes, who's the Senior Manager for Policy and Surveillance at the Canadian Cancer Society. Good morning, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, are you there? Hi, good morning. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, that, that, was, uh, that was on us. Uh, oh, yes, good morning. Go ahead, Loren. Well, I wanted to ask the question, Elizabeth, I, you may have heard me talk about being fair and being a redhead. And so I always go for the highest SPF because in my mind, 60, and that's currently in my purse right now, 60 SPF is the way to go. Does the number really make a difference or is there a, any truth to the fact if you get past 30 SPF, you're good enough? Yeah, really. So the SPF stands for, for sun protection factor. And so it's rating the strength of the ability of your sunscreen to protect you from the sun. And so really an SPF 15 blocks about uh, 93% of the UVB rays. A sunscreen of SPF 30 blocks about 97% of UV rays. SPF 50 is only 98%, so a small additional protection. Uh, but what's really most important uh, is to ensure that you uh, apply it uh, properly and evenly and reapply throughout the day. So uh, the Canadian Cancer Society recommends an SPF uh, of 30 uh, or more, but uh, really just to, to make sure that it's a sunscreen that you're going to apply. How often should I be putting it on? Like, let's say I'm, I'm going golfing this afternoon. So how often should I be putting it on while I'm out there? 
Yeah, so definitely reapply before you're going out there since you know that you're going to be doing an outdoor activity. And then reapply at least every two hours. And then uh, because it's hot out, uh, look for a sunscreen that is water resistant. And that helps with uh, the sweating a little bit. Um, But the sunscreens that are water resistant only work for about 40 uh, or 80 minutes. So if you do find that you are sweating or you've gone swimming or toweling off with your water resistant sunscreen, uh, then you may need to reapply it every 40 or 80 minutes. I was just in the drugstore yesterday, Elizabeth, and there are dozens of different possibilities when it comes to sunscreen. And for parents, you're often looking at one that, you know, you want it to be waterproof, it to last longer, but you also want it to go on easy because that can be a battle to get your young, your little ones to put the sunscreen on. So is there a difference between the spray and the lotion? Is one better over the other? Uh, there's not really one sunscreen that's better than the other. I think kind of for, for parents or for anyone that's choosing a sunscreen, I'll recommend two things. Uh, the first thing is to look for a DIN or an NPN number on your bottle of sunscreen. And this means that it's uh, approved by Health Canada for use uh, and sale in Canada. And then the second thing is to find a formulation that feels good for you and that's easy to apply thoroughly. And so that might mean trying different types of sunscreens until you find the one you like. Um, but certainly, you know, talk to others about the sunscreens that they're using that their kids don't mind putting on Uh, and your pharmacist is also available to help if you uh, need help choosing a sunscreen and can talk you through different uh, formulations or you know what might work better for uh, kids and children. You're with the Canadian Cancer Society any concerns over the sprays in terms of breathing in that aerosol? Yeah, with the sprays, it's really uh, important uh, to not spray them directly on your face. So if you're going to use, uh, you know, maybe use a cream sunscreen on your face or apply the spray onto your hands and then apply. Uh, but then just, you know, when you spray it on the rest of your body, ensure that you're rubbing it in because we actually uh, need to make sure that it spreads evenly to protect you. I've been guilty of a burn on an overcast day because of the assumption that, you know, the sun's maybe not cutting through the clouds. But we know that that's a myth that you can still get a sunburn on those overcast days. What about Brett's story of being sunburnt through his car? Is this a possibility through the car window or, or how does that work? Yeah, so certainly I'm I'm so glad that you uh, shared that you need to still practice sun safety on cloudy days. Kind of the idea if the sun is out there, even if you can't see it behind the clouds, those UV rays are invisible and they're still coming through. And then as far as car windows goes, uh, there is some protection uh, depending on the car or maybe the tint of the windows. Uh, But really best practices between uh, April and September. So that's when we know the UV index is, is increasing in Canada and is above about three. And certainly, you know, This time of year in Canada, midday, it's getting up to UV index of nine or greater. Uh, It's, you know, if you're going outside, you're going to be in your car, maybe you're driving somewhere and you're, you know, going in and out of cars or you're driving somewhere and you're going to be outside, just start your day by putting your sunscreen on uh, and then, you know, you've got a start for your protection and, and then think about, you know, what parts of you are being exposed to the sun. And But as well, it's probably important to still do it in the winter, right? Like I like to go for a walk every day, uh, regardless of whether it's hot or cold. And uh, I've gotten home sometimes in the winter with a wicked sunburn. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to practice sun safety all year round. Uh, in, in the winter, essentially, the sun's rays can reflect off the bright surfaces of the snow. So even though the UV index is less, it you know doesn't reach uh, three or more as often, uh, or maybe not um, you know throughout the day. Then it it still is important to practice that uh, sun safety by wearing your sunscreen. We think about it maybe a little less because it's a little bit colder, so our, our skin is a little bit more covered up. Uh, but also important you know to make sure you're wearing your hat and also your sunglasses that sunscreen on your face All before right. we let you go elizabeth sorry Rhett. i just had one last question the message here really is important it's at the end of the day we don't want wrinkles we want nice skin but skin cancer is still a big deal in canada Eight thousand diagnosed every year yeah, and you know, about 65% of melanoma cases are due to UV radiation. And so I thank you for, you know, including this in your morning show. And I just really encourage listeners to remember to use sunscreen along with checking the UV index, um, you know, seeking shade, covering up with clothing and hats, uh, and not instead of all of these sun safety practices. Okay, Elizabeth Holmes, Senior Manager Policy and Surveillance with Canadian Cancer Society, joining us live on CJOB. Elizabeth, thank you very much for this. Thank you. And that reminds me, Loren, I think my sunblock is running low. I use Neutrogena spray, and I have Neutrogena, like a separate uh, lotion that's uh, specifically for the face. Because uh, I have a friend who works, uh, she works in a skincare store, and she says, don't use the spray on your face unless you want zits. Oh, interesting. That's the hard, you know, it is challenging to balance your different skin. Like everyone has different sensitivity to things. And so that might be a thing. But yeah, I, I, SPF is on my face every day of the year. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling back next week. We're talking mosquitoes, how to beat them. They're so bad. And, Loren, we have Diane on the line at 204-780-6868. Diane, the thermocell, you have used one before? Hey, yeah, I I bought one about, uh, I guess, about a month ago. And we all know that camping in Manitoba can be really frustrating with the bugs. And uh, they, it actually works. You know, you don't have to sit around with the doo-doo coils or the citronella and, and all those toxic fumes. And they work. They, they do work. Can you explain how it, what it is? Is it, It's a container from what it looks like. It almost looks like just a nice fancy water bottle, but there's what's burning inside of it, Diana? Well, it's just this little pad that, flip, that goes underneath this, a screen. Now, I don't know how it works. I haven't looked into it really. And there's a cylinder that you also put inside. It's like a... I think it's like some kind of a propane or something that heats this up. Yeah, one of our listeners get, said butane. Hot. Yeah, it does get hot. And um, it lasts for about five hours, I guess, this pad. But, uh, yes, it keeps the mosquitoes away, whether you're sitting outside with, you know, some friends in the backyard or camping or, you know, it, it's it, it it's a miracle. <laughs> so before we let you go here, Diane, where did you get it? I got I got this one at uh, Home Depot. I also picked one up at uh, PV. Oh. Any chance you got an extra one you want to sell me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I sold the extra one to my friend. Oh, <laughs> there you go. You could have made but yourself. They come in like a, like a little lantern type thing. Mine kind of looks like the old cell phone, you know, the old brick cell phone. That's what mine looks like, or a walkie-talkie. And, uh, yeah, I can just kind of take it anywhere with me. Diane, thanks for the call. We appreciate this very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Have a good summer. You too. Well, hey, the hunt is on for a thermocell, Loren. Uh, I got to get one of these uh, because the mosquitoes are awful. This morning, Loren, I open up Twitter and uh, front and center, there's a tweet 
from uh, Milt Stiegel, who writes, you threw me that ball? All this time I thought it was Charles Roberts. Ha ha. So I kind of go back through this thread because he's responding to former Blue Bomber quarterback Kevin Glenn, who says, I don't get enough credit for the throw. LOL, you get all the credit for the catch. If I don't throw the ball, this would have never happened. I'm still waiting on that thank you letter you promised me after that game. I could have thrown it to Brazel, uh, Chris Brazel, uh, former Bomber. Uh, <laughs> and then now and then Kevin Glenn responding to a previous tweet from Milt Stiegel, who, who says, Kevin Glenn did nothing. Anyone could have made that throw. He gets too much credit for this play. He actually wanted to run a quarterback draw. Ha ha, great memories. And because we did this Quentin Tarantino style where we started from the end and work our way to the beginning. This started with a tweet from Joe Pascucci. Uh, and this was actually back, uh, he tweeted this out on July 3rd. And where he said the Blue Bombers were supposed to play the Eskimos at Edmonton tonight, since they cannot. Let's remember their stunning 25-22 victory in 06 with Kevin Glenda Milt Stiegel, the last play. You remember how this goes, Loren. Here we go, the last play of the game, barring a penalty, Kevin Glenn in the shotgun. And he throws it along down the left side for Stiegel. He's got it, and he's gone. Milt Stiegel's going all the way for a touchdown on the last play of the game. A hundred-yard touchdown pass. Stiegel caught the ball between two stunned Edmonton defenders around center field. I don't think he could believe it himself. And there was nobody left to beat. And he took it into the end zone. And who could have imagined an ending like that? That was Thursday, July 20th, 2006. And I remember coming in the next morning. I guess I was filling in on morning sports. And uh, even I was shocked because I think I had sort of followed the game and thought, oh, this is this is mm-hmm. over. And that was the feedback we were getting that morning. A lot of people just turned the radio off because it was a Thursday night. They got to go to bed for work. And they get up in the morning to find out that the Bombers won and they won in miraculous fashion. Yeah, and it's a lesson learned, I think, if you're one of those people that turned off your TV. It's not over till it's over. And if you you can see it in replay, and it's exciting to hear it now again all these years later, but seeing it live for the first time was a whole lot better. I love Milt Steele's response to Kevin Glenn when he says, you threw me that ball, ha-ha. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Crystal responded to that. She's a, a fan of uh, the CFL and, and Stiegel. And she writes, not only are you a phenomenal receiver, you also know how to throw some shade. <laughs> oh, he's so good at that. And he, lo- he, he no one loves uh, pointing out how handsome he is more than Milt Stiegel. Uh, he will always be the first man in the room to remind everybody that he's a handsome guy and a sharp dresser. But he's so much fun. We love when Milt Stiegel comes through here because uh, you, know, you take away all the bravado. He's just one of the, ni- the nicest guys. And he does you know great stuff for the community here in Winnipeg. So, But uh, uh, any excuse to revisit that play, Loren, I'm happy to do that. As I mentioned, I, I stashed this stuff away for a reason. I'm pretty sure, though, like if the engineers could, you know, if they said, who's the most annoying person in the building in terms of the amount of digital space they take up? <laughs> I bet you it's me because I have stuff that dates, this is 2006, I have stuff that dates back to 2004 when I started here. So it takes, uh, I take up a lot of uh 
a lot of gigs, I guess. Yeah, but it was also perfect at, at 3.20 a.m. this morning. You texted and said, this could be fun if we revisited this play. I also have the audio stashed away. And so at 3.20, I knew I didn't have to worry about it. So helpful. <laughs> there. Uh, if you actually stayed up to watch that game, let us know. 204-780-6868 or stayed up to listen to it, of course. And the best way to watch a football game is by li- having CJOB on the radio. If you can get those synced up, Bob Irving with the call while you're watching it, that's awesome. One of the things we were talking about this morning is tips on how to keep the mosquitoes away because they've been so bad this year. And on top of all of the texts we got saying, yeah, the thermocell is where it's at. Jacques had an interesting one here in Wasaga Beach. My brother had a company spray his yard with chrysanthemum and garlic mix. There were no mosquitoes in their yard for about six weeks. Garlic smelled for about two days only. And I believe there is now a similar company in Winnipeg. Chrysanthemums, Loren. Yeah, a fun I actually, word to say. It is fun to say. And I've got more questions about this. And if I can't bring them on today, I will in the days ahead. Because this uh, company he mentioned, the website has these awesome photos of these uh, staff dressed like Ghostbusters, basically. <laughs> with like <laughs> these guns. You know, they're not actual guns. But this, whatever they spray, this mixture, they've got these vests on. And these like almost like a leaf blower contraption that they might walk around your yard on. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what's in that mixture and how it works all right cuts are coming to several popular programs loren at red river college yeah cgob and global news obtained a letter that went out to both students and staff at red river college yesterday and it outlines the suspension of six programs so brett things like electrical engineering technology the cabinetry and woodworking diploma just to name a few and then they're also reducing capacity in two programs both the welding and trades Red River College says it's all due to lingering impacts of COVID, but there's also just more questions about what other changes could be coming to post-secondary education this fall. Christine Watson is the VP of Academics at Red River College and joins us now. Good morning, Christine. Good morning. Well, we know COVID is a big issue for lots of folks, businesses, schools, and otherwise that are having financial constraints. Um, are, is, this, is this a funding issue or, or what's at play here when it comes to these program changes? Um. So Red River College is not unlike every other um, business in Manitoba. We've really felt the pressure of the COVID-19 changes, and uh, that has included both our revenue um, as well as our government funding. And so the provincial government, as you know, is also facing financial pressure. And as a publicly funded institution, we really need to be responsible and make sure that our programs are sustainable. So the program cuts are really... um, part of the the sustainability of our financial model, but is also just part of our regular program reviews. Um, Red River College is very committed to making sure that our programs are relevant and current and meeting industry needs. So this is part of what we do all the time. And we we really want to make sure that our students have jobs at the end of their program. And we want to make sure that the, the programs are meeting industry needs. So we're reviewing with the sector all the time to talk about uh, what skills they need. And in, as you know, in many cases, uh, industries and employers, um, their needs are changing all the time. And Red River College is nimble, we're agile, and we're changing with the times. And this is part of the opportunity to really look at our programs and say, what's needed now? How do we best um, utilize our resources to make sure 
that we're part of the economic recovery for Manitoba. Right now you're saying these six programs have been suspended. Is it possible they will be permanently removed from college programming? We're looking at reviewing all of our programs all the time. In some cases, um, we're looking at renewing the programs. And in some cases, we're looking at uh, working with the sector to say, what are the skills that are needed? And uh, bringing back alternate uh, programs that might be needed more than, more than these. But it really is about making sure that Red River College is meeting our labour market needs and making sure that our programs are relevant, they're current, and they're up to date with what industry is expecting from our graduates. But trades is a big part of the backbone of the college, is it not? And so in cutting some of these programs, what are we saying about what the college is there to do? Things like welding, cabinetry, the advanced care paramedic program, that's about that's about badly needed. We're at one point, at least, Christine, industries that needed the work. Are we, are we saying that that's not the case anymore, or is it still a dollar and cents question? It really is about um, making sure that we're aligned with, with the industries. One of the interesting part about trades is that they're um, really impacted from changes in technology. COVID is a great example of that. And so we really want to make sure that our programs are um, responsive to the changes in the sectors. The construction sector, for instance, is, is really um, looking at how technology is impacting the way that they do business. And so we really want to make sure that our programs um, are responsive to that and that we're uh, adjusting and changing curriculum to make sure that, that those needs are met. Uh, with Advanced Care Paramedic in particular, we're still running our uh, second and third years and we're still running our uh, um, primary care paramedicine. We know that our students are absolutely crucial and our graduates are crucial to healthcare in this province. We're one of the strongest healthcare providers of graduates for the healthcare system in Manitoba and our commitment remains strong for that. We know that most post-secondary institutions are making a plan to move online, Christine, for many of their courses. That's harder to do when you are teaching some of these hands-on trades like you are at the college. Are students still being asked to pay the same tuition rates, even though they might get what they call inferior education as a result of these changes? So the cost of delivering education hasn't gone down. In fact, we're, we're investing a lot in education, not only to look at alternate ways of delivery, Um, but also because we're having to retrofit many of our campuses to make sure that we're following public health directives. It's also really important to recognize that online delivery is no less quality. We've recently introduced a flexible online delivery model that sets really high standards for the quality of the delivery of our education. So our students and our industries really need to know that the quality of education they're getting at Red River is no less because it's delivered differently or through a different medium, we're absolutely committed to the highest quality of education because our province needs it. Our province needs our grads, and Red River is absolutely crucial to the economic recovery of Manitoba. Christine Watson is the VP of Academics at Red River College, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Christine, thank you very much for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you very much for your interest. We've been getting just... 
So many text messages this morning on every topic we've discussed, whether it's mosquitoes, how to beat mosquitoes, and thank you for all of your tips, uh, whether it's on tuition and and changes at post-secondary education, or we played the catch, the Milt Stiegel highlight earlier, and uh, we got some texts from people saying, I was at that game, but we want to revisit the topic right now on masks, because the question of the day at CJOB.com, the province's masks in indoor public spaces may become mandatory later this year what's your take and so far now this is an e this is a horse race 34 percent say let's wait and see 34 percent say ridiculous no need and 32 percent say it should be mandatory now wow that is a right split with every everyone on a third on each side of the equation there i'm fascinated by that i thought it'd be closer to a hard no just because as we look at our numbers and we talked about how yesterday was the ninth straight day without cases and we have our lowest number of active cases pretty much since this pandemic started. We'd have to go back to, I believe it's March 12th to find this number of active cases. So that's fascinating that that um, people would be split on that. But our listeners, you know, we've got we've had a few text in, Brett, to say, nope, I'm not interested in wearing a mask. Others and another one wrote in to say, you know, if we had taken the precautions we are taking now, everyone wearing masks, social distancing, sanitizing, we would not have had the economic downfall we have had. People could have gone to work to jobs without having lost those jobs. And so from some listeners perspectives, it's about prevention, not about reacting to potentially more cases, but prevention, Brett. Yep. And we spoke with uh, Cynthia Carr, who is an epidemiologist here in Winnipeg and what because one of our listeners Dwayne uh, was asking the question so like what's the end game here are we just going to be wearing masks all the time during flu season like is that what we're working towards so uh, Cynthia Carr here's what she had to say on masks maybe just being a part of our future period it could be and again there's other um, areas for example Asia where wearing masks is part of the culture it's very unusual for us people still feel uneasy about it for a variety of reasons um, Um, But we do know that research shows that wearing a cloth mask does stop those droplets, Um, you know, the the respiratory droplets, even from speaking or singing, um, and then up to, of course, the the larger droplets from sneezing, coughing. So we know that in flu season, you know, that's how uh, the disease is spread as well, as well as, you know, obviously it could be on surfaces, but if the mask is stopping that from getting to the surface, that's even better. So, again, um, there has to be some weighing of the risks and benefits, how much is this circulating in our population? Uh, Because, of course, the masks are meant to break the chain, but if there's only four people in a million that have it, you know, there'll have to be some weighing of whether or not that's uh, required right now because people get tired of things. So we need to think about when's the best time to use it and when the highest risk is, and and that's not the same from province to province. So we are getting lots of response on either side of this. Here's one listener saying, I think people People need to remember wearing masks is a reciprocal act in which I protect you, you protect me. I remember that every time I go into the grocery store and I see someone older and maybe more vulnerable than me wearing a mask, it's the least I can do to reduce their chances of getting sick. Now, Evelyn sent us a text, which we read earlier, and we'll reread again, uh, because Bob responded to it, and he was not pleased with what Evelyn had to say. Evelyn asked, Why would everyone have to wear masks when their efficacy is questionable? If a person is at risk, immunocompromised, etc., they should be the ones to wear the mask. The reasonable solution seems to be if you're sick, don't go out. If you're compromised, wear a mask. So Bob says, I took offense 
to that person who commented that the immunocompromised should look after themselves and wear a mask. That person did not seem to have any consideration for anyone but themselves. Where has this type of society come from? Likely be the first person to try and push themselves to the front of the line for everything. Gosh. So, yeah, there's uh, not only are people split, but it, this is very much a, an emotional thing for a lot of uh, Manitobans, Loren. Yeah, and unless you're in that situation or you have someone in your life who's in that situation, you might, you might be failing to think about the other person. And that's not the right way to look at this. It, it may not be about me and my health, but the person next to me and their health. And that's been the conversation throughout this whole thing. It's why we had such strict guidelines around not visiting the elderly and our grandparents. And had I hadn't hugged my grandma in three and a half months until just recently, just because we were so stressed about passing anything along. And so that is where we've been thinking. And that's where we need to continue to think. I get it. I'd be torn if they came out and said we need to do masks. I'd listen, but I don't know if I'd like it. But it's just part of the equation. And I think Dr. Brent Rusin is just preparing us for possibilities, you know, different scenarios that we might have to consider so that when that time comes, if it should come, we're not like, what? Where did this come from? Why are we doing this? We've had a reasonable conversation leading up to it. So again, it's not happening right now. Doesn't know if it will happen, but it, masks could be part of the equation going forward. And, you know, Jason texted in to say when we were chatting about this earlier, Brett, he writes, Oh my God, with you guys, RE masks. I can't believe the ignorance and disinformation out there. Aside from keeping the borders closed, masks are the easiest thing we can do to keep the economy open. I firmly believe anyone who feels it's their right to not wear a mask needs to be financially liable if they require COVID-related medical help. Yeah. That's his take. Yeah, like I, I don't consider it a right to not wear one. I don't wear one, uh, largely because I just stick to the physical distancing. When I go to a store, I give, uh, I make sure that I follow the arrows accordingly. I make sure that I give people enough room that I'm not crowding anybody. You know, if someone is standing right beside the pop that I need to buy because they're looking on the other side of the aisle, they're trying to decide, hmm, should I get the sour bacon, sour cream and bacon ruffles or should I buy these creamy guacamole old Dutch arriba chips? I don't know. So I'll stand there and wait while they make their decision on the potato chips. And if push comes to shove and I've had enough of waiting, I will approach them and say, do you guys mind if I just sneak past you here? I just need to grab a bottle of pop and get out of here. And they say, yeah, no problem. Or if I have to sneak past somebody, I'll just sort of turn my face away to make sure that they know that I'm not uh, uh, screwing around. Uh, One listener saying, COVID is not going away. I wear a mask when I go out. I have asthma and am a senior. I am protecting you when I wear a mask and you are protecting me if you wear one. If we all wear masks, we may not see a second wave. We are helping the economy thrive by wearing one. But then conversely, and I've been struggling to find this, Loren, and, and this is again thanks to our listeners because we just get so much feedback every morning here on the show that sometimes it can be hard to find the texts uh, when they come in. But the one listener said, uh, I would be embarrassed if masks became mandatory. The numbers here are so low, uh, we don't need to wear masks. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com and on Twitter at 680CJOB on our question of the day. Would you wear a mask? If you had to wear a mask, Loren, uh, would you get yourself uh, like something personalized or some, maybe something uh, like a particular color? Nope, I'd keep it simple. I mean, if it's there, I would, but I'm, I know lots of people have done that, lot the ones that are for sports or teams or what have you. But no, it, if I had to, I'd just wear what was best to protect and carry on with it. 
Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.